You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by the Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thank you for joining me on The Partner Podcast. This podcast is focused on giving law firm partners useful and relevant information that will help them improve in their lives, grow their practices, and get more business. I'm a high-stakes headhunter. I work like a sports agent for law firm partners who want to take meetings at other firms and make a move. I recruit partners in the two largest legal markets in the world, New York and Washington. And from my experience, I've noticed that many law firm partners are not where they want to be, and they can change their situation if they know how to develop a successful cadre of loyal clients. On today's podcast, I'm interviewing Doug Wendt, who is the founder of Wendt Partners, a management consulting firm that helps professional services firms increase their revenue. The topic of today's program is the future-focused law firm. Doug is a management consultant who brings a real-world perspective to the issue of client development, and he offers innovative programs and ideas that translate into customized strategy and tactics that yield significant results for his clients. I hope you get some great ideas in today's episode of the podcast. I've got with me on the Partner Podcast today, Doug Wendt, who's the founder of the Wendt Partners Consulting Group. He's a business strategist. He's a management consultant specializing in getting the business for professional services firm. Firms. He's got a bachelor's from Franciscan University, a master's from summa cum laude from American University, and he's worked with all different types of companies and professional services firms and showing them how they can grow their business. And today he's going to talk about creating a sustainable business development culture for future-focused law firms. Doug, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Scott. It's an honor to be here. So tell me, you've done work with law firms before, is that correct? Oh, yes. For many years, law firms have been a key part of our client equation, uh, and I've had the pleasure of working with many attorneys as partners uh, in projects uh, prior to that. Yeah, and this is what's interesting. I remember the professor, the dean of Georgetown University was giving a speech, and during the Q&A, I stand up and I ask, and I say, from my perspective as a headhunter, a partner is successful when he or she grows the book of business and when they've got the leadership skills to grow a team, yet neither of those are taught in law school. Yeah. And so it's just not making sense. And he said that they're starting to do some skills training, which is really interesting. But I know that a lot of the leadership of law firms and partners themselves individually that want to grow their books, they look to people like you to give advice and expertise. And I like your attitude, a sustainable business development culture. I think that's really where it has to start because I've seen up close and personal, some firms have it and some firms don't. And if they don't, yes. we all know the rest of the story. So yes. what, do you, what do you mean when you say sustainable in terms of business development? What exactly does that mean? That's a great question. So let's talk about it on two levels. And for your audience, I'll try to address each of our discussion points on two levels. One is the firm level and the other is the attorney level. Okay, uh, and the two have to work hand in hand. So let me let me go back to your example from Georgetown. It is a universal problem in the professional services industry. So that is attorneys, uh, accountants, and CPA firms, uh, uh, people who are in architecture and engineering, 
uh, and other fields in which we are selling our time and expertise to others. In all of those cases, when we go to school, we learn the craft of the profession, but not the business of the profession. Right. And it's a, it's a huge problem. It's a problem that was papered over by many years because in our business culture and our general culture, we've held these professionals in such great esteem that people have been willing to essentially paper over this problem by paying high fees. Right. Uh, and there are still pockets of that, certainly, and uh, in some of your clients and some attorneys in, in uh, uh, and Law 100 firms certainly are able to continue to command uh, fees that may resolve or ameliorate aspects of this, but it is not a sustainable model because the firm itself across the board with new associates or lateral transfers or mid-level mid personnel cannot rely on everyone on the team being able to generate and sustain those fee levels. And that's really where customers have, uh, you know, uh, post-recession said we're, we're demanding a, a different value equation. Right. So not only is business development a critical issue, because uh, attorneys and other professionals haven't learned how to do it as part of the process of becoming attorneys. It's also a critical issue because no longer will the economics uh, on the client side of the table allow us to ignore it right. and just say we have a few rainmakers. So and what do you mean I by that exactly? What do you mean by that exactly? Right. So, you know, in a typical firm, a smaller, mid-sized firm, the founder is a rainmaker or the founding partners. Maybe they probably came together because each of them has developed their own book of business uh, and still knows how to develop additional relationships and grow that book of business. They have a reputation, but that doesn't translate into a systematized culture in which other attorneys who come into the firm are able to do the same thing. Right. So when I say kind of the, the rainmaker mentality, what I'm referring to is the idea that a few attorneys who are very successful at sales and who themselves command high fees constitute a sustainable business development strategy. That's a myth. It does not. Right. And it does not do that successfully, whether you're in a two-partner firm or whether you're in a, in a global firm. So when we talk about sustainable business development strategy, I would suggest there are three priorities, and I'll talk about them briefly at the firm level and then at the individual attorney level. Those three priorities are, number one, developing the skills associated with communicating the value proposition to the firm to people mm -hmm. who either can refer business right. uh, or people who can become clients or people who are clients in one area of the practice and maybe could benefit from or refer business to another part of the firm. So, so number that's one, skill, that, that's skill development, yes, right? Absolutely. And being able to have that conversation. And, and okay? let's kind of drill down that for a little bit. Let's, sir, let's do it. So the skills... The skills, are you talking about being able to ask intelligent questions to find pockets of opportunities where we can serve clients? Are you talking about the skills of uh, putting on seminars, of writing articles? You know, what, what kind of skills are we talking about here? So you, what you actually described right there is a set of tools and methods that are all part of the skill development equation. Right. So I would say all of the above, but what I would actually put before that is the willingness and understanding that your mindset as an attorney needs to be future focused, needs to be opportunity focused. And this is actually the hardest hurdle for attorneys when it comes to business development. They think it's the skill development. You know, I don't know, I'm not necessarily an expert at working a room or I've served the same clients for 20 years and I've done very well, but I really haven't done business development in a long time. I don't know if I'd know how or 
all these kinds of questions. Those are legitimate concerns, right. but they're actually far distant compared to priority one and challenge number one, which is just getting up every day and saying, as an attorney, my first objective is to always be aware of and looking for new opportunities for our firm, Okay. period. And let me, let me kind of interrupt you for a second. You said future go. focus. What does that mean? Like, yes. like consult with the psychic, kind of see what the lottery <laughs> numbers are going to be in the future? What, what do you mean by that exactly? That means looking for tomorrow's opportunity to sell, tomorrow's okay, So a psychic would and, help. And a psychic would help it, then. So. A psychic could help. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. A crystal ball. Crystal ball. Is, Got it. Check. I, okay, good. Excellent. No, And so the point is that <laughs> when I start my business day, the first qu- thing that's in my frame of mind uh, needs to be, well, where should we be growing our practice? What areas uh, of specialization should we continue to develop? Who are the people that, that can utilize this and how do we reach them? Or okay. that's the proactive side. And then the reactive side is when I'm having lunch with someone today, uh, what services are they not utilizing that they could? You know, there was just an article uh, published uh, about um the research that's been done on the average law firm's level of utilization of services on the client side. So right. this is not utilization of attorneys in terms of you know billable time and all that. This is the average client of a law firm today. This is business clients. It's not individual clients. The average business client of a law firm today utilizes less than 20% of the available services that are a match for their needs. Okay. Wow. So 80% of the opportunity is being left on the table. And in fact, that figure is going down, not up. People are actually utilizing one attorney or one group of attorneys in one subsegment of one practice and their relationships with those attorneys and not with the firm. Okay. And this is where the relationship between the attorney and the firm is so critical. It is important for an individual attorney to develop a personal brand. Um, It is important for them to be able to say, my clients are loyal to me. Uh, and they respect my expertise. And obviously, that's part of the value proposition that an attorney brings when they move from one firm to another. Okay. We all get that. That is important. By the same token, if that's where the buck stops in your mindset as an attorney, you're not leadership material. Right. Okay. Plain and simple, because you have not developed a mindset that says, as long as I'm on Team X, I need to be a visionary partner in growing Team X. And that means encouraging associates and other uh, other partners to cross-refer business within, with, uh, between practice groups, between regional offices. So, you know, I happen to, you know, I'm here in the Washington office and I'm working on M&A. <clears throat> and one of our clients is a large international company that has a lot of HR issues in other countries. I need to think about referring that client to our international employment law practice. That's right, right. Okay, and you know, honestly, that's not what's happening. So the the numbers bear out that firms are leaving money on the table by not engaging their attorneys in their own internal business development amongst each other, as well as not engaging them in a culture of external business development for the firm. So let me, and, let me, kind, of, let yeah. me kind of walk you back a little bit here, because uh, going back to the structure you laid out, you talked about sure. three things. We talked about skills. And, yes. and I really, everything you say is is spot on. It's extremely wise. You've got a lot of just just a lot of good advice that I think anybody that's trying to grow a firm or a group could use. But so let me let me kind of walk you back a little bit. You talked about that first sure. one is growing the skills. What's point number two and point number three? Content and culture. Okay. And what does that so mean? So we're actually we're actually hitting upon them, uh, you know, just in bits and pieces by okay. way of discussing number okay. one. Okay. So. 
you could almost say skills. We've really defined that as mindset plus skill set. Okay, that's really what we ended up talking about there. And then the second is content. So content can be everything from what an attorney actually produces for public consumption, blog articles, white papers, uh, essays, uh, updates, briefings, client, uh, you know, uh, client alerts, all these kinds of communications that that have a marketing angle to them, but are primarily for the purpose of educating and enlightening the reader. Okay, in addition to presentations, uh, published articles in other journals, workshops, webinars, seminars, briefings, podcasts like this, videos, an attorney who is a successful business developer and leader is also by their nature an educator, someone who wants to help others become better enlightened about the topics at hand. That's interesting. And that brings us to one other piece unique to the attorney equation, which is the, this is where the connection between content and culture comes in. The culture of a healthy law firm, when we talk about business development, is that of an educational organization, by which I mean an attorney I hire should be as concerned about proactively advising and protecting me from risk, as well as responding when I pull the fire alarm and say we need to respond to a situation that's gone from potential risk to actual crisis. So let me, let me, let me, take you back about 30 seconds. Sure. You said an educational culture. Is that what you talked about? A learning culture? That's, Is that what you said? Uh, educational culture. So that means educating both internally and externally. That's correct. So uh, two, ex- two sides to that equation. We talk, We said we would talk about the firm level and the individual training right, level. Right, so right, I right. wanted to be faithful to that. Young attorneys in a firm need as part of their professional development pathway the opportunity to obviously continue to be educated. And we traditionally think about that in the compliance framework, like CLEs, right? So you have to do a certain number of CLEs, so here are the ones you're going to do. And that's good and well, but that's not great, okay? Great is when we say two additional things. Number one, I want this attorney to develop certain skills that are best supportive of our team. So maybe... They have developed, a, you know, they have background in document discovery, but they haven't done pretrial preparation. So let's send them to a workshop on pretrial preparation, even though that's not necessarily required for their CLEs because it helps it helps round them out. It's good for the team, good for the company. Then the, the other aspect is internal uh, communication and education. You know, it's, it's one of these things where one attorney is an expert in one very narrow segment of legal practice. And that's fine. We live in an era of specialization. They don't know what's going on in the other people's areas. So them just communicating with each other, you know, if I'm in a large law firm and I'm working on, uh, you know, contracts for governments and I have another, uh, partner in the firm who works down the hall who is working on employment law for healthcare companies, you know, it might be good for us to get a briefing on what's going on in healthcare law uh, from that partner, and I'll give a briefing on my area to the other attorneys. That helps them not only become better educated and better, well, more well-rounded, it helps them be better at business development. You can't engage people in conversations about becoming clients if you're not comfortable with what your firm actually offers across the board. And that's not just a menu. People don't buy from a menu. They buy knowledge and ideas and expertise and insights. So if I just had, I went to a lunch and learn with an, you know, inside the firm with another partner who kind of a briefing on a major case that was absolutely fascinating. And I hadn't really thought about the implications of their issues before quite that way and learned some new things about how 
uh, you know, uh, interpretations of the law are changing in the courtroom, uh, et cetera. Then next time I'm in conversation with one of the clients in my list or a potential referral partner, I might say, you know what, I just heard this thing from this colleague of mine and it might be of interest to you. That's how you build educated, engaged relationships. So when That's I say great. education, I mean educating the clients and prospects, also educating one another in the firm. I've even seen this happen with some of my clients where I'll ask them what's different about you. And everybody always says, we've got great culture. And I say, you can't use that word. Well, we're collaborative. You can't use that word also. Tell me something, <laughs> tell me something you can say that no other law firm can say. And sometimes we have to drill down and and then I find it. And for some clients, they say we have business development coaches that are on staff where they hold the hand of new partners and they introduce them to new prospects that are alliance partners, other colleagues of theirs. Mm -hmm. And that person sits in on those meetings and that person who's a non-billing could be a former practicing attorney, but usually not right. someone that was in business development and other professional services role. They actually document the meeting and come up with the action steps and hold the partners, I wouldn't say hold them accountable, but coach them and make yes. sure that things actually get done. Guide them through that process. And so what do you, what do you think about something like that in, in terms of in terms of that type of a business development culture? What are, what are some other things you've seen similar to that, that that are real tangible that a firm can get their hands around and implement? So first of all, uh, that's actually, in many respects, a very good model. There are uh, areas of it that I think are important to further support. So I'll give you an example. When we work with law firm clients, um, in many cases, we've developed what we call the ADP, the Attorney Development Plan. And for attorneys who are not yet at the partner level, and traditionally we're working with firms where the partners are pretty consistent business development resources uh, when we're dealing with smaller firms. In larger firms, there are multiple paths to partner, and being a, a BD success story may not be that particular, you know, the only one. Right. But in those cases, we are developing a three-pronged approach. We want attorneys to be leadership developed, professionally developed, and business developed. Okay? So say that again, leadership... So it's leadership development, professional development, and business development. Wow. And so the key is those three have an interplay. So the idea of, for example, having a business development uh, coach um, or process. So, for example, when we work with clients in the law firm field, we'll actually set up and manage their CRM system for them. We've actually, in these ADPs, these plans, created a blueprint for what communities, organizations, networking groups, or what have you, uh, alliance partnerships a particular attorney will focus on that they develop in cooperation with their mentor attorney, okay, and with our support and, and with our backing, and then we'll develop a workshop model for them to learn and strengthen those skills. The trick is a lot of firms make the mistake of thinking if I hire a full-time business development person and they're like an army of one, right, mm -hmm. that we don't need to do business development. So I am supportive of hiring or retaining business development professionals inside the firm as long as the firm does not transfer responsibility for business development from themselves to the non-attorney because right, that's right. a recipe for disaster. Having that resource there, whether it's an FTE hire in the case that you described or whether it's a company like us providing that service on an outsourced basis 
in partnership with the senior attorneys in the firm, committed to creating a BD culture, that is a ticket to success. And that can work very, very right. well over time. That's part of building a sustainable model. So, so let me ask you this. You talked about a future-focused law firm. Yes. Future-focused law firm. How does that – well, I guess how, how does what, – what are the attributes of a firm that you would categorize as future-focused? So when I talk about a future-focused law firm, I think there are five critical attributes, okay? One of them we've already alluded to, and that is having a, a focus on future client acquisition and future markets. So that's actually, you could almost call that two, but we'll call it one. We'll say that focus on future client acquisition, that really right. business development or sales focus. Okay. The second aspect is one, really where we spend a lot of our time in this discussion. I think that's the right on the money, which is the, the uh, attorney development aspect. Okay. So a future focused firm needs to recognize that every attorney, whether they're just showed up yesterday, uh, you know, and they're brand new out of law school or whether they are a senior partner who's been doing this for 35 years, it doesn't matter. Everybody always needs to be moving forward in their own development as an attorney. And that involves those three components that we talked about, professional development, leadership development, and business development. So that's, that's, that's the second future-focused component, okay? The third future-focused component, I think, is uh, actually probably technology commitment. And again, attorneys tend to think of that purely in terms of operational technology, you know, our system for billing and managing cases and matters and things like this. And that is absolutely important. But I would add to that the technology to support business development proper CRM system or customer relationship management system, sales support technologies that are available, marketing software and marketing automation capabilities. These tools are now available in the marketplace and they allow professional services firms to overcome the barrier that they've had for years, which is most people involved in business development are not full-time salespeople. Right. When you use sales and marketing technology correctly, it helps you close that gap where you can be almost as effective as an FTE salesperson because the technology and the tools are extending your reach. They're allowing you to do things more efficiently with limited time. So you can send individual outreaches to people and you can auto schedule to invite them to specific events and programs and you can more easily set up a webinar or create a workshop or you know turn blog articles into an ebook and then make that available to clients and prospects who meet certain criteria. There's all kinds of richness there. Right. So so that's the third piece. I think the fourth piece is ownership and future direction at the top level of the firm. The ownership and structure of the firm in the future. Um, in small to mid-sized firms, there's a huge exit and transition trend underway. Um, one of the greatest firm, uh, challenges that a lot of Gen X associates and partners alike have, even if they're at the partner level, is that they often feel blocked in terms of driving innovation because of the way we've done it mentality that they're facing from attorneys who are either uh, greatest generation or boomer. So there needs to be a reckoning at the senior management level about how do we create a future-focused model for managing the firm. That's okay? right. That's right. And, and then the last piece of the equation, not last because it's least, just last because there are only five and we've got to have one of them at number five, and that <laughs> is the client relationship model whether that is involving pricing, 
whether that is involving how we package and deliver services. Um, so many attorneys are leaving money on the table by not providing proactive services that clients will pay for on a retainer basis. And I, I see this all the time. You know, we talk about a client business and that business, you know, maybe seeks uh, litigation support. Uh, but they're not receiving proactive support to avoid litigation in the same area. You know, they receive contract advisory, but they don't receive uh, ongoing monthly, quarterly or annual reviews of their contract uh, documents and materials or uh, a proper uh, refresh and update on changes in the law that affect them. These are opportunities not only to educate, they're opportunities to monetize. Right. And so I think that is the fifth piece is how we engage and connect with and serve clients, both in terms of their satisfaction, are we, you know, satisfying their needs, and in terms of monetizing all the ways in which they can tighten their relationship with us. Clients are looking for stronger, more proactive advisory relationships, and lawyers are still, most of the time, delivering reactive, when, you know, something goes wrong, let us know and we'll charge you a lot of money to fix it. Right, right. Solutions. So those are the five components in the future-focused law firm. This is really good, Doug, because I've met with over 50 different law firms, usually managing partners or chairmen, and I always try to get my hands around key selling points of each firm so that when I'm talking to a partner or I'm representing a partner, I can, I can put them in the right spot, and I have to have mm. a narrative that's attractive and compelling and unique and different. And so I hear everything you said, and if I was – a managing partner of a firm, and if I want to grow my firm by hiring lateral partners with successful businesses and growing organically my associates to partners that build their book, and amazingly, I've, I talk to most partners, maybe 75, 80% that don't have the book that they want to have, mm. and just had never been taught those skills. I remember I had a happy hour with a young partner where I'm telling him how to do business development, and yes. I never practice law. Because he's never yes. been trained on that. And he's wondering why he's being asked to leave his firm because he just doesn't have a book. Right. And so I, I hear everything that you said, and that is that is a tactile model. That's a, that's a model I can get my hands around. So if I'm selling my firm, I would say we've got, we've got the Wint Partners uh, future-focused Psychic Friends Network law firm model. <laughs> we're... we're, we're, we're where we've got we've got our thumb on the pulse of the future, baby, and yes. we've got we've got a systematic model that we follow that grows the practice of our individual partners. Because this is interesting. A law firm, as you know, is nothing more than a collective of peers held together only by conditional promises to each other, and that's it. Right. And when that one thin thread is pulled like a cat pulling a yarn off of a sweater, before you know it, the whole thing falls apart. If one of them starts leaving, another one, another one, another one, oh no, I can't stay here. I'm not getting support. I've got to go somewhere else. Right. So if a firm isn't growing, they're atrophying. And if they want to attract partners, they've got to have a narrative related to business development because that, as you mentioned, is what causes someone to be successful. And I like the fact that you integrate leadership development and they're also because that's the other side of the coin as well that most people just haven't really studied there's not a lot of well there are a lot of formalized educational programs but i just don't see them targeted towards law firms as much as there's the potential to do so i so, agree and and scott i'll add one of the great ironies about the leadership development profession 
those who are full-time consultants and, and service providers to businesses, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of leadership development services is that very, very few people who do that have come from the sales and business development background. And as a result, I think they're missing a huge connecting point. And that is business development as a, an aspect of what you do as a professional gives you one of the most powerful opportunities to hone your leadership skills. So internal leadership, absolutely, obviously important. External leadership, which I think is often best expressed through business development action, through meeting people, developing relationships, asking for the order, defining the offering, all the things we have to do to do BD successfully. It not only makes you a better external leader, it gives you the right skills to be a better internal leader, too, because at the end of the day, as you pointed out, the firm exists as the collective, very thin line agreement between the different people. And when you're an attorney building that internal book of that external book of business and sharpening your business development skills it not only gives you greater credibility with your colleagues because you're generating business, and that's obviously a, a clearly defined metric of success, but the other factor is that you're sharpening your ability to explain, package, present, persuade with your fellow partners to help define and direct the future of the firm. Wow. That's great content, Doug. So let me, let me ask you, if somebody wants to seek you out, what are the services that you offer to law firms? So we are specific to the business-to-business industry, and as I mentioned, law firms are a significant component of that. And in a nutshell, we get hired by uh, managing partners to walk them through the process of defining this kind of strategy. And we call it the B2B growth strategy, and we define it across five elements of the, the organization. The business strategy, so that's uh, everything from the ownership and exit intentions of the of the owners of the firm, the brand strategy, how we approach and present to the marketplace and what the marketplace needs and can gain from us. And then CRM sales and marketing are the three execution pieces. Wow. So okay. that uh, that attorney development program, as I mentioned earlier, is actually one of the things that we delivered to uh, law firm clients. So we will create this architecture. We get hired as a consultant. We'll create this architecture. And then we'll teach them how to use it. And then if a client chooses, they can retain us to actually continue to build and run the program. So they just kind of um, kick back, put their feet on the on the desk and you do all the work. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. And in fact, that's the great <laughs> irony. It's funny that you said that because sometimes people think that what they need to be prepared for is to have a co-creator and, and a partner with them at the table, but also one who will keep them to the task. So this is a we called the company Went Partners, and our logo emphasizes the we aspect of the name, specifically because in order for the goal to be achieved, it involves us working as hard as we can and as smartly as we can and the client doing the same. So if they want to do less work, then we're not the partner for them. If they want to be more effective in doing the right work to grow their firm, and they're ready to put in the effort, but they want the right partner and guide with them to both make sure they're doing it effectively and to help uh, exponentially grow the impact of that, then we are the right partner for them. That's great. So, so, so if they're not ready to make a full investment, do you do a lot of speaking at, at conferences, at law firm retreats, things like that, if they want so, to uh, seek uh, sure. out for that? 
So yes, we do. We do. Uh, I have spoken and presented at a number of conferences and events on, on a variety of themes. We actually have been developing, and I recently presented in, uh, in the Baltimore market a workshop called "Build Your Business Growth Playbook," where we went through the five components and asked key questions. So we all absolutely provide the opportunity to educate oneself and learn about these things, uh, you know, in that educational context. And then if a, a prospective client is interested in at the very least saying, why don't you come in and assess us and give us a picture of what our playbook should look like, we can do that as well. That's great, Doug. So how can people find you? What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, go to our website, www.wentpartners.com. That's W-E-N-D-T partners.com. Or you can give me a call uh, at 703-628-4157 or email me directly at Doug at WentPartners.com. And so you're based in the D.C. area. Do you work up and down the East Coast? Is that where you work primarily? Yes, we are primarily uh, a Northeast Corridor company from uh, Washington to New York. We have clients and have served clients uh, on a global basis, as well as uh, throughout the United States, certainly. Uh, but the majority of our clients are typically in the, the New York to Washington Northeast Corridor region, and we're uh, thrilled to be a part of the greater Washington uh, area. That is That's where our great. headquarters is. Yeah, and I remember when I first met you and your wife, Alice, I remember I think you were working on an initiative for kind of a mid-sized law firm in D.C., kind of doing some work with them. I think I recall that. Yes, that's correct. And uh, we've worked with firms that uh, have a variety of different specialties, uh, different business development challenges, and are at different stages in their business life cycle. So it really comes down to the strategic desire. They have to desire to see the firm grow uh, and achieve significant sustainable growth, to go back to the topic of our discussion. And they have to want that to be something that becomes baked into their culture and processes. Uh, as opposed to a campaign or something that we do just for the moment. That's great, Doug. This is awesome. Excellent content. Every time you said something, I had five more questions. So I think we're going to have to bring you back in the podcast. So I'll, I'll reach out to you. We'll schedule another time in the next couple of weeks. We'll get you on here again. And thanks so much for your time and your expertise, Doug. Absolutely. Scott is an honor and a pleasure. And I look forward to uh, being in continued discussion with you on future editions. Sounds great. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners that want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.